good morning to everybody. And uh, I forget that there's not a, uh, we used to have a bell, I thought, to tell you things would start started. Do we not have a bell? We got a, that's, that's what it is. I'm thinking about my, my multiple bells at the end. So there won't, there's not going to be a fire alarm. It's just going to be a five-minute bell and an ending bell. So don't, I mean, you might want to jump up and run off, you know, probably a few minutes into this thing. But um, maybe you can make it at least to the five-minute bell. So, uh, but um, for those of you who don't know me, um, I'm David Allen. And uh, today we're going to look at a uh, passage where... The chief priests and the scribes and the elders wanted to challenge the authority of Jesus. And so we're going to talk about this morning, talk about that this morning. But first, before we get started, are there any announcements that uh, that a group needs to be made aware of? Um, folks that need to be on a prayer list that we're not aware of or something to that effect or any kind of announcements for the group. That's Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Brother um, Frazier's family, need to remember them in his passing. Um, so, absolutely, need to remember that. That's a nice memorial there. In the, if you've not gone into the foyer over on the, at the east, east foyer, the east foyer, you might want to stop and look at that if you don't come in that way and look at that, uh, look at some of those pictures and things. So, any, um, any other announcements or anything we need to be aware be made aware of this morning before we begin. Okay, let's uh let's all bow our heads with with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we humbly come before you, thanking you for the past night's rest. We thank you for allowing us to see the light of another day. We're thankful, Heavenly Father, especially for this especially for this day that we can gather together with those of like precious faith that we can. Open your word and we can study it together and look at things that you have divinely inspired that we can take from those things and, and use them in our everyday walks of life. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for another opportunity to gather together. We have, we have lacked these opportunities in the past year and we're thankful for every opportunity that we get. Help us not take those opportunities to gather together for granted. Heavenly Father, we're mindful of those that are suffering the loss of loved ones, especially the Reigns family. We're, we're mindful of them. We ask Heavenly Father that you help us to be a, a support to them, whether physically, emotionally, whatever we can do. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for your son. We're thankful for the sacrifice that he made that allows us this opportunity to be here together. We're thankful for all of the things that you've given us in your word. And we ask Heavenly Father that you help us now that we clear our minds and open our hearts to the things that we we discussed this morning that we'll take those things and apply them to to our everyday lives. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so as I said this morning, we're going to talk about how the scribes, the priests, the chief priests, the elders, those in religious authority, okay, for this time period or this, this day and age, wanted to challenge Jesus' authority and challenge his authority or his authority to be able to do the things that he was doing here on this earth. Now, we understand that Jesus had the authority to do these things. That, that is not in question. But I think what we need to do is look at some of the events that leads up to our text this morning. 
And I think what we need to do, let's turn over to Matthew uh, chapter 21. That's where we're going to spend uh, our time this morning together. Is we're going to spend our time there in Matthew 21. And we're going to look at some different things that led up to the challenging of Jesus' authority by the chief priest and the elders. And we understand that Jesus' actions and the things that Jesus did here on this earth fulfilled all prophecy. You know, during this study that I was uh, tasked with, it's amazing that, that everyday actions that Jesus did, those things are all prophesied in some shape, form, or fashion in the Old Testament by the prophets. And we're going to look at that this morning. Let's start right here with his interest in Jerusalem. Let's begin there in verse 1 of chapter 21 together. It says, Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came out of Beth Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, that Jesus sent two disciples. And he said what? He said, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. Okay? Skipping on down to verse 4. All of these things were done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet saying this. Tell the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. Now skip on down to verses 9 through 11. Verse 9 there, it says, Then the multitude who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, after his entrance into Jerusalem now, okay, we're skipping ahead a little bit, Hosanna to the son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? So the multitude said, This is who? Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. Okay? So from the beginning of chapter 21, it's going to lead us into this event that we're going to talk about this morning. These things that Jesus did were fulfilling the prophecy of who? Well, first off, this particular prophecy was talked about in Zechariah. Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. It says, There rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. We just read it. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is what? He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on what? A donkey, a colt, and the foal of a donkey. So what did Jesus ride into Jerusalem on? Okay. This was obviously not written a couple days before Jesus did this, right? Okay. So this was prophesied. This was prophesied centuries before Jesus actually did what he did, okay? So we understand that the actions of Jesus fulfilled the prophecy. We understand that Jesus had the authority to do these things because obviously he is from God. So Psalms 118.26, if that not just, not just there in Zechariah, but also what David wrote. He said, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you from where? From the house of the Lord. Talking there about, there in verse... Um, 9, it says, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Okay? So these things were written to fulfill the prophecy. And Jesus fulfilled these things that were prophesied about him hundreds of years earlier. So we understand that before we ever get to what we're going to talk about this morning, that Jesus has this authority to do the things that he was sent to this earth to do. Okay? So let's continue on and look at Jesus cleansing the temple. Okay? So this is not the only event that we're going to talk about leading up to this text. This is all throughout verse, uh, chapter 21 there. Looking there, skipping on down there to verse um, 13, but what I want you to do is flip over to John. And the reason I want you to flip over to John chapter 2, there's an interesting passage there at the end of this that I want us to uh, look at. 
So flip over to John chapter 2, beginning there in verse 13. Okay, so Jesus is coming to Jerusalem. Now he's going into the temple to teach, right? And we know what Jesus is finding here. Beginning there in verse 13, it says, Now that the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem, and he found in the temple those who sold oxen and sheep and doves and the money changers doing business. When he had made a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers' money and overturned the tables. <clears throat> and he said to those who sold doves, he said, Take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. Then his disciples remembered, right here, this is the key right here, it says what? That it was written, zeal for your house has eaten me up. Now, this was written, obviously, before this happened. Pretty simple. Psalm 69 verse 9 says, because zeal for your house is what? Eaten me up. And the reproaches of those who reproach you have fallen on me. Now, could someone have gone into the temple, one of these spiritual leaders, so-called, one of these chief priests, one of these elders, they could have gone into the temple and did the same thing that Jesus did, correct? There's nothing, there was nothing stopping them from changing this temple into a house of thieves, as it's called in some translations, or nothing stopping them to change it back, correct? They just chose what? Not to. But it was prophesied in Psalm 69.9 that Jesus would do this very thing. Psalms 119 verse 139, it says, My zeal has consumed me because my enemies have what? Forgotten your words. Okay? So all of these things that we're talking about that's going to lead up to what we're going to talk about this morning are what? Fulfillment of the scripture. Okay? So these chief priests and elders should have known before they ever asked the question, right, that Jesus had the authority to do the things he was doing. Simple, simple as that, right? But we're going to talk about why they chose not to believe those things here in just a minute. Okay? So we understand from 1 John that God is light and in him is no darkness, right? So Jesus was not going to be a part of something that was sin, correct? So we understand that if Jesus has the authority to do the things that God has set him here or sent him here to this earth to do, then he's going to take care of those things. Because obviously he does not want to be a part of something that is simple. Okay? So these things are leading up to our discussion this morning. Now, instead of being pleased that the temple was cleansed, the religious leaders were displeased with this attention that Jesus received. Now why is that? Why would they not be happy with this? Absolutely. They were making money. Their influence, their power was going to be detrimentally affected by the influence that Jesus had over, over the multitudes and over the people, right? Because he was teaching the gospel. He was teaching the truth. If you look through some of these other accounts of this very thing, it talks about Jesus going to the temple and teaching the gospel. It specifically says that. So there are there's the, the power aspect, there's the money aspect, all of those things that are physical. But what did Jesus talk about his kingdom being? Not of this world. Being a spiritual kingdom. What could the chief priests and the elders and the scribes not get around? The fact that they wanted someone to do what? 
be a physical king. They wanted a physical kingdom. They wanted to restore what? They wanted to restore Israel to what? Its great power that it had, and they wanted to be a part of that. So they could not wrap their minds around the fact that Jesus was not here to do that. Okay? So that's some things we have to, we have to think about as we talk about this study. Okay? All right. So, continuing on, leading up to our discussion here. Jesus also had the power to heal. You know, if you think about all the things that are in this one particular chapter, it encompasses all the things that, what? Jesus had the authority to do, right? I mean, if you look and you look and see everything that he has taught, that is talked about that Matthew records here in this chapter, all of these things Jesus has the authority to do, okay? So that's what we have to, we have to continue to uh, remember here. You know, in Matthew 21, uh, skip on down to verse 14 there. Let's get back to Matthew again. Let's continue here in our text. There in verse 14, <clears throat> um, it says there, it says, Then the blind and the lame came to hear him, where? In the temple. And he healed them. So who else would be in the temple? Right here. But when the chief priest and scribes saw the what? The wonderful things that he did, and the children crying out in the temple saying what? Hosanna to the son of who? David. Now, who do the chief priests and the elders look up to? Obviously, they look up to David. Because when was the kingdom of Israel or the empire, what do we want to call Israel at that time? The kingdom of Israel was at his strongest when? Had its most power when? When David was king. Now, we're not saying that everything was running smooth then, but in their eyes, that physical kingdom, okay, that David sat over or sat on the throne of, however we want to say it, that's what they live to try to get back to, okay, in their minds. And that's something we have to think about when, they come, when we come to our, our text here in just a minute, okay? So let's continue on. Hosanna to the son of David, but they were what? Indignant, okay? And he said to them, do you hear what they are saying? And Jesus said, and Jesus said to him, yes, have you never read? Right here, the chief priest... The elders and the scribes ought to know what? What the prophets have said. What was written in what? To us, the Old Testament, right? It says right there, Out of the mouths of babes and nursing infants, you have perfected praise. Then he left them and went out of the city to Bethany, and he lodged there. Okay? So this is a reference back to Psalms chapter 8, verse 2. Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained strength because of what? Because of your enemies, that you may silence, okay? Remember that word right there. I want you to put that in the back of your mind here in just a few minutes. That you may silence the enemy and the avenger, okay? Remember that word silence there as we go along. But as we see here, once again, all of these things that Jesus is doing that's going to lead up to challenging, to them challenging his authority have been prophesied, okay? All of these actions, all of these things, Jesus also had the power over nature, okay? Jesus had the power to heal. Jesus had the power over nature. Only this authority could come from who? Absolutely, come from God. So, let's continue on here. Verse 19. 
<clears throat> and seeing a fig tree by the road, he came to it and found nothing on it but leaves. And he said, what? He said, let no fruit grow on you ever again. Immediately the fig tree withered away. And when the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How did the fig tree wither away so soon? So Jesus answered and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but also if you say at this mountain, Be removed and be cast into the sea, it will be done. And whatever things you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive. So obviously Jesus took here the time or the opportunity to teach a lesson in faith. Now, we could, we could go a whole quarter or a whole year talking about, you know, this passage and chasing this down the road. But what I want you to understand is, or what you want to see, is the fact that he had that power over nature. Not only does he have the power to heal, not only has he fulfilled the prophecy, he also has that power over nature. Proverbs 30, verse 4, it says, Who has ascended into heaven or descended? Who has gathered the wind in his fist? Who has bound the waters in a garment? Who has established all the ends of the earth? What is his name and what is, what? What does it say right there? His son's name. Now obviously it's talking about God here at the first of this. We understand that. We understand that this particular passage at the beginning of this verse is talking about God, right? But it also says what? What is his son's name? Okay? Proverbs 30 verse 4. If you know. Now, obviously, this was God talking, <laughs> talking to Job, sort of rebuking Job, if we remember back, you know, because, you know, in that, in that particular book, you know, Job and God have go back and forth on some things, but God right here is talking to Job and asking him these things, okay? But he also, also asks, in this particular verse, what is his son's name? Something to remember, okay? Something to, something to make, your, make aware of as we're thinking about this this morning. So we understand from our study so far, we understand that what? That Jesus has done, and, or Jesus has fulfilled the prophecies that he has come to fulfill, right? He's not done what? What did Jesus say? I've not come to destroy what? The law or the prophets, what did he, what did he come to do? Fulfill them, right? Jesus said that out of his own mouth. So we have to remember that as we look at this study. And all of these things back that up. That's pretty simple. All of these things are telling us that Jesus has the authority over nature. He has the authority to heal folks. You know, we haven't jumped off into the fact that he had afforded what? Forgive sins, right? Because we're just looking at these particular events that lead up to the particular question that the elders and the chief priests are going to ask him. So, any comments there before we uh, move on? Chance, take a breath. <clears throat> All right, let's continue on here. Now we have we have talked about what led up to our particular text this morning. Our particular text is uh, Matthew twenty-one, beginning there in verse twenty-three. Okay, the chief priest and the elders were what they were witnesses to these things. These things did not happen without them seeing it. Because where was he healing the sick and the blind? In the temple. Okay? So they were there. Where did he overturn the money changers? In the temple. Where would they be? In the temple. Right? They knew and they understood these things. They just chose 
not to believe it. Okay? So, they saw the shift in what? Their influence and their popularity, which, in another word, mean their power. Okay? Because what? Now the multitudes are standing out on the street, watching him come down the street. They're taking their clothes and laying them in the, laying them in the dirt for, him to walk, for a donkey for him to ride to walk on, right? They are shouting his name in the temple, saying, Hosanna, okay? They are praising Jesus. That's not coming to those guys anymore, and that's the problem that they're having. That's what they're having a problem wrapping their mind around. You know, the people praised Jesus upon his entrance to Jerusalem. We just talked about it. The people laid down their garments for him to ride in on, okay? So that's things to think about, and those things are disconcerting, obviously, to these leaders. In Mark's account, the scribes and Pharisees were what? Were fearful of Jesus' popularity with the people, okay? Because they knew that, these, that this power that they had was slipping through their fingers. You know, the scribes and the chief priests there in Mark chapter 11 heard it and sought how they might what? Destroy him, okay? Get rid of the problem, right? Because they what? They feared him because all the people were what? Astonished at his teaching, okay? So the, the scribes and the chief priests and the elders all knew that Jesus was obviously getting more and more, I don't want to say popular, but people were coming to know the truth, okay? It wasn't a popularity contest with him, but people understood the truth that he was teaching, okay? So, something to think about, and that's the things we need to think about as we, we look at our text here. All right, let's pick up here in verse uh, 23 of chapter 21. It says, Now when he came into the temple, the chief priest and the elders of the people confronted him, as he was teaching, he said, By what authority are you doing these things? They knew what authority he had. And, you, and who gave you this authority? They knew who gave him the authority. But Jesus answered and said to them, Now, thinking about here, right here, let's just take, take a, a little, little side step here. Jesus was always good at when he was confronted by the chief priests, scribes, elders, Pharisees, whatever we want to call them, he did a great job of always doing what? Turning that back around on them. He would always answer their question with what? He would answer with a question, okay? And he would make them think about what they had just asked. So keep that in mind as we continue to read here. But Jesus answers and said to them, I also will ask you one thing, which if you tell me, I likewise will tell you by what authority I do these things. Continuing on there in verse 25. The baptism of John, where was it from? From heaven or from men? And they reason among themselves. So they walk off trying to figure out how they're going to answer this question. And they said, if we say from heaven, he will say to us, well, why then do you not believe him? If we say from men, we fear what? The multitude, because they all count John as what? A prophet. Okay, so verse 27, they answered Jesus and said what? We do not know. And he said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. So he stopped them because if they answered one way, they were going to have the multitudes mad at them. If they answered another way, it would show their hypocrisy because Jesus would ask them, why do you not believe that, that, that teaching that John had, right? Because he's particularly talking about John baptism right now, okay? 
So, he's got them caught. He's got them caught right here, and they don't know how to answer. So that's why they said they just don't know. So, they answered their question. He answered their question with a question. Verse 25, talking about how John's baptism, was it from heaven or from men? So let's look at that question here for a few minutes. So if they answered yes, obviously I'd, I'm getting ahead of myself. That's what happens when you do a lot of studying. You get ahead of your, you get ahead of your presentation. Jesus could follow up by asking them, why did they not obey something from who? From God. Are these not learned men? Do these men know the scripture? Should, if anybody on the planet should know the scripture, it, could be, it should be who? Chief priests and the elders. Oh, absolutely, yes. And that's the point I'm trying to make. They acted like they did, and we're going to look at that here in just a minute. They were good at being, or they were good at, uh, let's see how to say this. They were good at taking things and putting them on others, putting burdens on other folks, as it talks about. You know, um, it talks about how the Pharisees put burdens on folks. Well, they were good at that, but they weren't good at doing what they needed to do. You know, Jesus, Jesus talked about that. He talked about how the Pharisees were good at telling you what to do, but not doing those same things. You know, do as I say and not as I do, as the old expression is. Right? So this was going to show their hypocrisy if they answered yes, that if, this, that if John's baptism was from God or from heaven. Okay? Well, if it was from men, they would also, they're also going to, people are going to know the multitudes, the people that would be following them, would know that they rejected what? A prophet of God. And we're going to look at that here in just a minute as well. So we're going, to, we're going to go through here and we're going to answer both of these questions. And Jesus does that here in just a minute. He answers the question for them. They don't like the answer, but he answers it. Okay. So keep those things in mind as we move on here. See, I'm doing on time. Okay. So <clears throat> we understand that Job's baptism was from God. We know that. You know, in Isaiah 40, verse 3 Isaiah wrote there, he said, The voice of one crying, crying in the wilderness, prepare what? The way of the Lord. Okay? So John's goal, John's mission, John's job was what? Prepare everyone for Jesus' coming, for the Lord. Okay? It says, Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Now, something to think about here. The old law. Let's think about it in terms of a road. The old law, you were doing this all the time trying to get to the point where you needed to be, right? You had to do this. You had to do that. You had to stop here. You had to stop there. Well, with Jesus' way, what? It's point A to point B, right? It's straight. The old law, there was lots of things that you had to do to get there, and then when you got there, what did you do? You just rolled your sins forward, right? This way was the straight way, and that's what he's talking about here. The difference in what John was going to prepare versus the old law, Okay? So something to think about there. You know, in Matthew 3, it talks about John there. It says, In the days of John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying what? Repent for what? The kingdom of heaven is what? At hand. This is a very familiar passage for us. For, he is, for this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, what? Make his path straight. Okay? So he's preparing everyone for the coming of Jesus. You know, in John 1, similar passage said there was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for what? To be a what? A witness. Okay? So obviously these things were ordained by God. 
Obviously, this baptism of John came from heaven, so they needed to answer yes, right? But they just didn't want to. To bear witness of what? The light. Not a light. The light, being Jesus, that all through him might believe. He was not that light, okay? So we know that there was something better coming, but was sent to bear witness of that light. This was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. So we understand that the baptism of John was ordained by God, that it came from heaven, okay? So we, we, we've got that. And we could spend an entire year discussing scriptures that what? Validates Jesus' authority, right? We're just looking at a few snippets here leading up to this particular question that these chief priests and elders have asked. But we could do this for a year. We could look at all the different things. You know, Jesus was with God from the beginning. You know, a very familiar passage. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word what? It was God, right? So we know that Jesus had this authority because he was with God from the beginning. All the things that were made, he was the beginning with God. All things were made through who? Through him, okay? So obviously he was there when the earth was created. And without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of who? Of men, okay? So we understand that Jesus has this authority. But we also got to see the hardness of their hearts. You know, the best witness that proves Jesus' authority is God himself. You know, on two different occasions, God specifically said that Jesus was his only son. You know, at his baptism, the Holy Spirit descends like a dove, a voice comes out of heaven saying what? This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Well, this is not the only time that God did this on the Mount of Transfiguration. What happens here? A voice comes out of the cloud and says, this is my beloved son. And not only does it say that, it says, hear him. You know, what was Peter trying to do right then? He was trying to build three altars for Moses, Elijah, and for Jesus, right? Well, God said, don't worry about Moses and Elijah. I want you to hear Jesus. I want you to hear his teachings. I want you to hear what the things that he has to say, okay? And just a side note there, I think that's a good way for us to know that we're all going to know each other in heaven. How did Peter know that was Moses and Elijah? They have a shirt on that says, hi, my name is Moses, or hi, my name is Elijah. I don't think so. But I don't know if they're wearing names. You know, we used to wear those. You know, we used to wear those around here. I thought about that too. You know, old direct tags. We used to have those too. So, but, uh, you know, that's a, just a side note. I always think about when I read this passage. You know, those men have been dead for centuries, and Peter knew who they were. Okay. Right. Absolutely. That's a, that's a good. That's a, another good way to think about it. Yep. We're gonna. That's right. He sure did. Yep. And so that's just something I think about when I read that passage. But anyway, the point I'm trying to make here is that God was a witness to Jesus, and that's the point we need to remember here. Okay. So. Let's continue on. You know, Jesus answered the question in a way to reveal the hardness of their hearts. He knew what, he knew what they were going to say. He understood the hardness of their hearts, but he answered in a way to reveal that to them. You know, they should have known, if anybody should have known, the spiritual leaders of this time should have known the scriptures. They just chose not to. You know, they had read these scriptures. They just chose not to understand the meaning. 
And Jesus talks about that in Matthew 23, if you skip on over a couple chapters. He said, woe to you scribes and Pharisees. What does he call them? Hypocrites. For all of you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outward. Okay, do as I say, not as I do. But it's not dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Even so, you're also outwardly appear what? Appear righteous. Okay? Two men, but inside you're full of right here hypocrisy and lawlessness. Okay? So basically, he is calling out the hypocrisy. That's what he's doing in this particular instance here. Because they couldn't answer. You know, this, they were leading all of this multitude into air. You know, in Matthew 15, Jesus said, let them alone. They are blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind leads the blind, what's going to happen to them? Both going to fall in the ditch. Okay? And Jesus was here to teach the gospel. Jesus was here to show everyone another way. You know, the straight way that we talked about just a minute ago. Okay? Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. 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 That's right. Um, these were likely members of Sanhedrin. Mm -hmm. They knew this. I mean, what Dean was saying is the power and their authority had just had overtaken them. Mm -hmm. And just that lack of ability mm -hmm. um, that, you know, has got, got them in, in the situation they're in. And now, you know, we look at the scriptures that they knew well. And all the signs, it's no different than before GPS. You've given the signs to a particular place. Right. In the country. Yeah. yeah. And you know how we give those directions. If you weren't, hadn't been there before, you couldn't tell me that that gate was a, just a regular silver day or green day. Or, right, uh, yeah. And what the barn had on the side. Right. It gives you to that. So they have those mm -hmm. specific um, um, directions and just chose not to. Um, and that's why I, when I that's why I wanted to go back and just look at the instances just from the chap just from this chapter you know not not all the things we could go we could study on all kinds of things that proves Jesus authority right but if you just look at the events and I know when we read but we all think it's like that, right behind each other. And I know this could have been a timeline, you know, but it happened relatively, 
it happened relatively quickly right behind each other. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it talks about a few days here and a few days there. But these things were done when they were still fresh on their minds. They saw these things. And just like you're saying, it's hard It's hard not to, uh, you know, it's hard not to show or to say that they were just full of hypocrisy because they were living it and, and they were there and they saw those things and they should have known what the scriptures meant when they were, because this is what they did. This, they, they, this is their lives. Let's, not, let's think about this thing. You know, those, those men sat in that temple every day and that's what they talked about was, the law and the prophets and all those, you know, those, those scriptures we talk about are in the Old Testament, okay? But that's what they did. So they should have known. They should have known. Yes. Right. Yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. That's right. They, they wanted to keep that. And it always goes back to power. It goes back to power and money. I mean, that's, that's what they wanted. And you're absolutely right. They, they wanted to, the Romans were scared because they didn't want them to, to rise up against them and them have to worry about that being so far away from Rome. And then they wanted to have that influence where they could take the police at the time and use them to get rid of folks that they didn't want around. You know, and that's what they did. It was a, you know, it was an incestuous relationship between the two of them. So, all right, let's let's get to our conclusion since we got five minutes left. So Jesus answered this question with two parables. First was the parable of the two sons. You know, in Matthew twenty-one verses twenty-eight through thirty-two. If you look on down there, he talks about a man having two sons. And I'm going to paraphrase some of this here since we've got five minutes. It talks about the first son. He asked the first son to do what? Go and work today in my vineyard. The first son said, I will not. But afterwards, he repented and did what was asked of him. Okay? The second son said, sure, I'll go. But he did not go. So he asks the chief priests and the elders, he says, or which of the two did the will of my father? They said to him, the first. And he said, assuredly, I say to you, right here now, this is where it's going to hit home, the tax collectors and the harlots entered before you. For John, right here, for John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. Okay? And then it also goes on to say, he says, but the tax collectors and harlots believed him, and when you saw it, you did not afterward relent and believe him, being Jesus. Or him being John, excuse me. Sorry. So, Two of the most loathsome people on the planet were tax collectors and harlots. And what did they do? They went out and heard John's teaching and repented of the things that they were doing, right? But folks that supposedly knew the scriptures did not, okay? So that shows you the difference there. You know, the crux of that whole, that whole thing is what he said right here. For John came to you in the way of righteousness. So Jesus himself just said that John came... In the way of righteousness, what? Righteousness comes from where? Comes from God. Okay? So there you go. He answers the question. So let's continue on. Let's look right here at the parable of the wicked husbandman. Skip on down to verse 33. He said, here's another parable. That a certain landowner who planted a vineyard and set a hedge around it, dug a wine press in it. Skip on down. He says, now when the vintage time drew near, 
He sent his servants to the vine dressers that they may receive what? The fruit. Okay, and the vine dressers took his servants. They beat one. They killed one, and they stoned another. He sent some more servants, more than the first, and they did the same thing to them, likewise. Then the last of all, he sent, he sent his what? He sent his son. And what did he say? He said, respect my son, because it's my son, right? But when the vine dressers saw the son, they said among themselves, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and seize his, what? Inheritance. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will you do? What would you do? Or what will you do to those vine dressers? Here, here's what the chief priest and the Pharisees said right here. They said to him, he will destroy those wicked men miserably and leave his vineyard to other vine dressers who will render to him the fruits in their seasons. And Jesus comes back to him. He says right here, have you never read the scriptures? The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone the Lord's doing, and it's marvelous in our eyes. So, Jesus reveals the true attitude of those Jewish leaders, right? He reveals their attitude to them right here. They're in verse 38. Because what, they're, what, they're, what are they planning to do? Planning to kill the son, right? He allowed them to condemn themselves for rejecting him in what? Verse 41, okay? So he's showing them once again their hypocrisy. Okay, so he's answered to them both ways. Acts 4, 11, verse, in verse 12, he says, This is the stone which was rejected by you, the builders, which has become what? The chief cornerstone, right here. Now is there salvation in any other? For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which you what? Must be saved. So there it is right there. So, not only has he come back and asked them a question, that they couldn't answer to because they had to answer yes one way or the other. He's also answered the form in these two parables. Yes, must be saved. Yes, sir. Yes, must. That's right. Not, you're exactly right. Absolutely. Yep, some people get that uh, confused there. So, in conclusion, the Jewish leaders could not answer yes to either question because they would not repent and believe the teaching of John if they answered that it was from heaven. They rejected the cornerstone and rejected the teaching because they feared the multitudes, right? They feared that multitudes would know that John was a prophet, so they couldn't, they couldn't say yes to that either. So right here, Jesus silenced them with his answer. Wrap up right here. Romans, 8, uh, Romans 1, beginning in verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against what? All ungodliness and all unrighteousness of who? Men. Who suppress the truth in unrighteousness because what we may be known of God is manifest in them. For God has done what? Shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without what? Excuse. Okay? Once again, they knew. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were what? Thankful, but became futile in their thoughts and their foolish heart, foolish heart excuse me, were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. So, they couldn't answer the question because they didn't want to. They knew what the answer was. Jesus knew what the answer was. And we know Jesus has all authority. So, y'all.